Welcome back for day two of our week four look through the book of Nehemiah. We're talking about the principle of celebration. Celebration of what God is doing is one of the keys to rebuilding in your life. If you can't celebrate it, then you're doomed to repeat the trouble, the struggle, the decisions that cause you to have to rebuild in the first place. Yesterday, we talked about the fact that celebration grows out of worship. Today, I want to focus on the fact that it takes a change in mindset to truly celebrate. And the change is this. It's recognizing that enjoyment is not your idea. Celebration is not your idea. It's God's idea. God's the one who made all of this. So enjoyment and celebration and joy, they're all things that God wants for your life because they're his idea for your life. Christians, Christians sometimes think they can have joy without enjoying anything. Isn't that crazy? But there are Christians out there who think they can have joy without enjoying anything. Sacred does not mean you have to be sad all the time. Nehemiah talks to the people about that in chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 9, Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah tells them, the fact that this day is sacred doesn't mean you have to mourn. It means you should instead celebrate. Now, you can mourn in the presence of God, obviously. Sometimes we have grief in our lives. We need to mourn some things. We need to weep before the Lord, and that is sacred as well. But the idea that the only way to express a sacred heart is in a mournful heart, is in a downcast look, is totally opposite to the Bible. Enjoyment is God's idea. He gave you that capacity. He gave you those emotions. And I love in this chapter the three specific directions for celebration which are given to the people. They include things which you might not expect to find in God's word. This is how God tells them to celebrate, to enjoy what he has done. First, he says, I want you to feast. Feasting is a part of celebrating. Eating is a part of celebrating. Verses 10 to 12 in chapter 8. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. And then all the people went away to eat and drink and to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Nehemiah said, As part of your celebration, I want you to feast. God gave you your taste buds, and they're a great gift for celebrating. Now, listen, it is a sin to worship food, but it's also a sin not to celebrate with food because God commands us throughout the scripture to celebrate with everything that he has made. That includes the food that he has made. First Timothy 6, 17 says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So not to celebrate with something that God has provided for your enjoyment is also a sin. And we're reminded here that a feast is an excellent tool for celebration. God absolutely feels that way. You can read it in all the feasts of the Old Testament. You can see it in Jesus' first miracle being done at a wedding feast, at the celebrations that Jesus had, his Passover feast that he had with his disciples out of which the Lord's Supper comes. You can see it in the fact that When we get to heaven, we're going to have a great wedding feast of the Lamb and celebrate forever who God is. Now, eating unhealthy food is obviously wrong, but so is thinking that denying yourself good-tasting food somehow makes you more spiritual. You can have a Daniel planned feast. You can have a feast with healthy food. And feasting is one of the ways of celebrating who God is. I want you to feast, Nehemiah says. 
And the second thing he says is, I want you to send. Sharing is an important part of celebrating. Look back at verse 10 we just read. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Nothing can cut into your joy quite so quickly as selfishness. So many of us were surrounded by things and were overwhelmed by blessings, and yet they no longer seem to bring us joy. They no longer seem to make us happy. Why is that? Well, the first place to look is, am I sending? Am I sharing with somebody else? The greatest joy in life comes not from what you have, but from what you give. And if you're just holding on to it, obviously, it's going to eventually sour in your hands like manna soured out in the wilderness. You've got to look for somebody to share with. Sharing is an important part of celebrating. Who do you need to share God's blessings that he's put into your life? Who do you need to share those with right now? That's one of the keys to you celebrating. You feast, Nehemiah said. You send. But then he says also, you be still. You be still. Verse 11, the Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. And then they went off to celebrate, the Bible says. Listen, an expression of celebration is not always found in the shouting. It's often found in being still. It's this awe-filled moment of celebration. It's the celebration of being caught up in a moment of beauty or in the love of those around you or in a spirit of gratitude. Sometimes you need to be still in the presence of the Lord with this great appreciation of who he is. That's a celebration as well. You feast, you sin, but you also be still sometimes. And through celebration, through being still in celebration, you often will find yourself doing an exchange of emotions. In the stillness of sitting before God, appreciating who he is, you find yourself exchanging your anxiety for a sense of trust in God, exchanging your guilt for a depth of gratitude for God's forgiveness, exchanging your fear for a decision, a moment of faith in your life, exchanging your grief for genuine joy. Now, these three that we've just talked about, feasting and sending and being still, verse 10, right in the middle of these three, reminds us of the purpose of doing all these three things. Verse 10 says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you celebrate in worship, when you celebrate in understanding that God wants you to celebrate, enjoyment is God's idea, you discover the joy of the Lord that is your strength. If you're going to rebuild your life, you need strength for rebuilding. If you're going to re-energize your life, you need strength for re-energizing. And the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, notice a couple things here. First, it's the joy of the Lord. He's not talking about joy that you somehow try to manufacture from within. He's talking about the joy that the Lord gives. If you want to do a study on this, study John 15 to 17 as Jesus talks about joy. You'll hear Jesus teaching about the joy of the Lord that flows from your obedience, flows from your prayers. In John 16, 20, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. That's real world joy. The joy of the Lord is not always painting a happy smile on your face and thinking everything's okay. Jesus says, you're going to grieve. You're going to face difficulties in your life. But your grief can be turned to joy when it's the joy of the Lord. Because his joy, <laughs> it surpasses any grief that you could face in this life. And I know you might be facing one of the greatest griefs you've ever faced right now. So I don't minimize your grief in saying that. I'm maximizing the joy of the Lord. It's eternal. It covers every grief that we're ever going to have to face. The joy of the Lord, he says. And then the second thing to notice, 
is what he says this joy does. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If your strength for rebuilding is failing, don't try to become more determined. Look to have greater joy. This is the secret that a lot of people never learn. And so they keep failing again and again because they try to become more determined and they don't feel like being more determined or even as determined as they are, it's not working because that's not where your real strength is. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So if your strength is failing, don't look to become more determined. Look to have greater joy. You cannot do the work of the Lord without the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's pray together. Our Father, I pray you'd remind me, remind us of this this week. I can't do the work of the Lord without the joy of the Lord. And so I pray for your joy in my life, the joy that flows from me following you, obeying you, talking to you about what's happening in my life, trusting you in life. Lord, I'm tired of trying to do it on my own strength. I need your strength. And I recognize in this simple verse from Nehemiah that I need your joy in order to have your strength in my life. So I pray for that joy as I depend on you. I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to take up the last principle from the book of Nehemiah, the principle of dedication. Dedication.